Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. everyone, and welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm Rebecca Milzoff, your host, uh, senior editor, and musical theater maven at Billboard. So I have to admit, when I first heard that A Bronx Tale was being turned into a musical, I was skeptical. For those of you who haven't heard of A Bronx Tale, this is essentially a monologue that the actor Chaz Palminteri wrote for himself. Uh, You might know him from The Usual Suspects, Bullets Over Broadway, many, many movies. Um, But this is a sort of semi-autobiographical story about him growing up uh, in the Belmont section of the Bronx. When I heard about A Bronx Tale the Musical, there is this huge creative team involved that sort of intrigued me. Uh, There's a good deal of crossover, actually, between the pop and theater worlds among the people assembled for this musical. The lead producer is Tommy Mottola, uh, the former Sony Music head who uh, is actually producing on Broadway for the first time. Uh, Alan Menken, who I feel needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. Uh, He has written so many Disney hits, I've honestly lost track. Uh, He wrote the music. Uh, Robert De Niro, who is also, strangely, a first-timer on Broadway as a director, is co-directing. Um, And his co-director is uh, a real Broadway veteran, Jerry Zachs, who also happens to be heading up this little show that's about to open, Hello, Dolly, with Bette Midler. So that's a lot of kind of big-time cooks in the kitchen when it comes to putting a show together. And it got me thinking, it's a lot like when an artist is putting together an album with a bunch of mega producers and writers. Uh, When you have this many hugely accomplished people on a creative team, it doesn't always turn out so well or make for a coherent album or, in this case, show in the end. Um, But when the subject matter really has heart and the story is compelling, as is definitely the case here with A Bronx Tale, this is a really personal story for Palminteri, uh, it can all come together. And that's what happens with this show. Uh, Anyone who likes the sort of vintage-y, 50s, 60s, street corner pop sound is going to totally recognize it in Alan Menken's music. Uh, In fact, if you were a big fan of his show Little Shop of Horrors, you might hear a little bit of that kind of influence in there. Uh, The cast is stocked with uh, a bunch of really accomplished Broadway performers. And I have to say, I saw the show a while ago. The audience loves it. I was pretty much as taken with what was happening on stage as what was happening off The audience really feels palpably into what's going on. You get the sense that there are a lot of people coming to see it for whom this really was their growing up story, whether it was in the Bronx or elsewhere. Uh, So I talked about all that recently with a few members of the cast, Bobby Conti Thornton, who's making his Broadway debut as Calogero, the uh, main character, Uh, Nick Cordero, who plays the sort of alluring neighborhood mobster Sonny, 
and Ariana DeBose, who some of you who are huge Hamilton fans might recognize her name from the original cast. Uh, she plays Calogero's first love, Jane, and with Alan Menken himself. And this girl could be one of the great ones. This one could be one of the ones on who you bet. Fly off the rails with the wind in your sails Whenever she sends you a glance uh, So we're sitting here with the cast of A Bronx Tale and composer Ellen Menken. Very happy to have all of you here. Happy to be here. Uh, why don't you go around and introduce yourselves? My name's Nick Cordero. I play the role of Sonny. I'm Ariana DeBose, and I play the role of Jane. I'm Bobby Conti Thornton, and I play Calodro. I'm Alan Menken, and I play composer. <laughs> The most difficult role of all. <laughs> uh, so I, the show is great. I, I saw it a while ago. Um, and I'm fascinated by how this is a show that over many years has had many lives. But it started as a monologue. And the idea of a monologue becoming a big Broadway musical with singing and dancing is not one that would perhaps be natural. So uh, starting with you, Alan, as a composer, what convinced you that this was a story that could sing and dance? Jazz Paul Monteri. <laughs> He's a very convincing man. Very convincing, yeah. He doesn't Jazz, rest. Jazz has been wanting this for about 15 years. I scored a movie that he directed called Noel, and he said, I think I want to do a Bronx Tale. I think it would be a great musical. And, then, and I was interested, but I couldn't figure out what vocabulary I would do it in. I, I don't know. It, it was when Tommy Mottola then called me. And said, two very convincing men. Yeah. I right? would think. Yeah. <laughs> the Robert De Niro called me and said, "You're doing it." No, <laughs> no and um, and said, "I think it's it's the music of the neighborhood." And I go, "Oh, okay, I get it." Um, once I once I figured out what the vocabulary would be, then I had the way in, you know, as far as uh, the score. And then it was really the, one of the biggest challenges is how much do we have the sort of the voice of Chaz Palminteri in this, like in the one-man show, because um, it, it is a memory play to a degree, mm -hmm. but we, that was, that's where a lot of the development came, is, is how to you know, make that translation. And I have two questions. One is, is Chaz secretly a huge Broadway musical fan? I think or not so. so secretly? I mean, sort of not so secretly. He has so much respect for so many shows and the different genres they embody and the way that they bring, you know, life to timeless stories. You know, he constantly talks about uh, West Side Story and Guys and Dolls and how some of those themes are echoed in our show. And I don't think he would have believed that A Bronx Tale would make a great Broadway musical had he not been exposed to timeless musicals or or be a fan of them. You know yes. what I'm saying? He's also, he's also a musical guy. He was in bands growing up. I think he's mm -hmm. written a few songs. He yes. had some sort of, you know, some early traction in the oh, yeah. charts. <laughs> Florida, offices. Um, okay, I have to look into that. But he, and also the one-man show, when I first saw it, it struck me how as a lot of good comedy is, is it's very musical. You know, when you're doing, Absolutely. when you're up there playing all those characters and you have to keep the ball in the air for that amount of time, mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's a pulse to it and the, the pauses and the, the, the punchlines are all very musical in a way. And he's done this show, you know, on Broadway and all around the world for almost 30 years. So, so he's a musical guy. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think what's also actually maybe more of a surprise is that Robert De Niro 
is a is a fan of musicals. Yeah. 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 He is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is. He's produced a lot. <laughs> it's like, yeah. He was one of the lead producers in Wheel of Rock You, the Queen musical. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> work indeed. <laughs> Go Bob. <laughs> and Ellen, in terms of finding the, vo- the vocabulary for this, it's hard not to hear some sort of little Shop of Horrors-esque, you know, uh, street corner 50s pop in this. Was that a sort of touchstone for you at all? or? Um, it was fun to come back to that world. This is so different from Little Shop as far as the tone. I mean, this is yeah. Little Shop was using all of that extremely tongue in cheek as as a wink at horror movies, and this this is the music of the neighborhood. So, um, but it was really fun to come. I love working in pastiche. As anyone who knows my work knows, I, <laughs> I love working in styles. Yeah, I love yeah. a good well, pastiche. And the three of you come to this project from very different backgrounds. Nick has had some really wonderful roles on Broadway recently, most recently in Waitress. Uh, Bobby, this is your Broadway debut. Mm-hmm. And Ariana was most recently hashtag the bullet in <laughs> Hamilton. Yeah. Well, I heard about Bobby. I Okay, I, I, should I go back all the way to the University of Michigan, the Go Blue? Let's go. <laughs> sure. Because my daughter went to University of Michigan, and we have the great musical theater, pro- and I kept sure, hearing sure. about Bobby Conti Thornton, mm-hmm. and this kid is like a star, and I'd heard about him. Word had traveled about you, my friend. Wow. Well, thank God it did. <laughs> All the way to the hallowed honored. halls of Castle Mankin. The hallowed halls of Broadway. I also have to say, Castle Mankin. I also have to say, Bobby, as a credit to you and your stage presence, that I expected you and Nick to be roughly the same size in person. And you're a tall man, but not quite as imposing it, a presence. It, 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 as it's Nick very is. rare for me not to be the tallest person in the room. So it's 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 awesome. Happy to be of service. I, yeah, Nick. I, I, I know how you feel about over that. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, you know, and and you know, Chaz is Chaz is six three, six four. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it, it's a that that sort of presence that you gotta em- embody on stage, not only physically but sort of energetically. Completely. And, and a, yeah. Like a, you have a very eerie palmentary esque vibe on stage. Like your posture is very similar. Well, to so, some of that helped. That was um, Chaz's dad in real life. On top of being a his city job as a bus driver, was also a, a boxing trainer. Mm-hmm. And so I started boxing for this for this job, and it totally instantly affected my posture, how I stand, uh, what your sort of spatial awareness is to your other actors and the other characters around you, mm-hmm. and also just sort of the mental aspect of, of um, boxing. Once the technique is ingrained, it just becomes about uh, what your other is giving you to how to avoid and how to counter. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just sort of put infuse that into every aspect of the performance, that was very much an inspiration of Chaz. Mm-hmm. And when Raging Bull, Robert De Niro, was telling you how to <laughs> tip on boxing too, that, yeah, that I guess you listen. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Did Chaz talk to you all a lot about you know his own personal story and any fun tidbit that informed your characters? Yeah, not so much instructional, but he loves telling stories. He's, yeah. he's got so many of them. So <laughs> he would tell thing. stories about, like, you know, there's characters in our show called Tony Two and Frankie Coffee Cake. and Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. 
With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And what these guys... <laughs> would do and how they would operate in real life and it's not PG you know so it's he's a he's a great regaler of tales from the neighborhood and it, and it really adds mm. to the flavor of what we're doing mm-hmm. I just b- b- before we go too far I do have to say that the real hands-on director of this who really shaped this was Jerry Zachs mm-hmm. who I worked with before on, on, on Sister Act and that does amazing work with actors. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I, think I don't want to go too far. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, you know, tying both of those things together, I, being a newcomer along with Bobby to the Broadway production of this show, I did talk with Chaz uh, here and there about Jane, um, his experience of her, but the reality of the situation is he hasn't seen or heard from her since that time. Hmm. Um, and I was brought onto the team to bring something a little different. Um, you don't see the traditional hairstyle that Jane wears in the movie on me in the Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, and and also I'm, I'm dancing. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. bringing a completely different uh, feel to her in that way as well. And Jerry helped me uh, figure out all the ways that I could be effective um, with paying tribute to who Jane was and also making her the all-American girl of today as well. Because mm-hmm. um, our show holds up a mirror as, as well as being a memory play. It is a mirror to society about, you know, how far we have come and where we don't want to go back to. So I, I owe a lot to Jerry in that way for helping me figure all of that out. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, yeah, he's someone who knows what he's doing for sure. Right? Um, I have to say that personally, I am a great fan of the music of this era. I grew up with my dad playing Dion on the Belmonts for me. Yeah. And I like, so yes, I am an old man in a woman's body. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but were you all familiar with? sort of this 50s pop like milieu oh, or, absolutely. or did you have to like familiarize yourselves well I grew up with it um, it was played in my household as a, as a child and I also was in Motown the musical on Broadway so I'm very well versed yeah. in all of this <laughs> I was uh, Mary Wilson of the Supremes and I covered Diana Ross so you know bringing that flavor to this was, has been really fun too there's a little Diana flair t- oh she's, in t- she's totally you, giving yes. you a little bit of Diana <laughs> <laughs> and what about for you guys you know, all I heard in my grandparents' house growing my all my all Italian grandparents' house growing up was uh, was <laughs> no grandparents' no. No, no, no. was you know was was Frank Sinatra and, and Dean Martin and and uh, oh okay. these, <laughs> the classic. What, 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 what did you think I was gonna say? Dion the So it was it was very easy to tap into that sort of style and uh, it's. Uh, 
especially hearing how much of a fan Chaz is of Diana and Beaumont, he, he was trying to write a screenplay about their lives, which is actually very fascinating and interesting. Um, I would. I think he should do that. I, like that story would be so fascinating. Yeah. And it's and going back to your initial question, like with that, how that music is infused is that I've never played a, a person, a, a real life person before, mm-hmm. and especially someone that's in the room every day that you can not only garner their stories from, but also just simply study on a daily mm-hmm. basis mm-hmm. Um, and seeing how when that when Alan's music is played in the room how it infuses him very visibly in a joyous way was a, a wonderful thing to see and how that you can then impart that he seems a joyous man he's from infused. the little time he's I've infused. known him he's infused with joy infused joy infused hallelujah um, I did I suppose I don't recall it being played around my house, but I grew up singing dinner theater in as a teenager and was exposed to all kinds of different you know we did war shows we did fifty shows we did rock and roll shows so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's in there somewhere but the songs are just great you know what I mean the songs mm-hmm. and the melodies are just you couldn't imagine them any other way and they fit the characters so well so it's really easy to put it on you know? it was a fun score to write yeah really mm-hmm. a lot of you can fun. tell that you have fun in doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, when you sign on for a show and find out Alan Mickin is doing the music, like, oh, what man. is your reaction? Yeah. Um, you just get there, you run. Yeah. You run, don't walk. You run, don't walk. It took me about two Question seconds to say yes. Direction? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. but I increasingly feel like you need your own variety show, Alan. Yes. <laughs> oh, Alan's podcast. just quick. We're just going to so leave quick. and leave you with the... <laughs> Neurotic, it's called. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. Fine. <laughs> and it's, I mean... For both you as a composer and you as actors to be in the room together working on the music live, and I, I mean, it's always exciting when there's a living composer working on a show, but yeah. I can only yeah. imagine like what the collaboration is like. Well, I really, after I just, I backed off. Yeah. Oh. Because, no, because they, they should make it their own. And, and frankly, the songs speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Plus, I had a great music team, I gotta say. I met this guy, Ron Melrose, yeah. wonderful musical director. Yeah. And um, so, I, I, yeah, I had the luxury of backing off. My greatest thrill was, you know, sitting in my studio and there's, you know, Glenn next to me, you know, biting his hand. <laughs> and there's, there's Chaz going through some sort of crisis. <laughs> and there's Tommy even in the room, uh, usually yeah. insulting me in some wonderful way. Um, no, but it's, I had the best time working with, with the, the, the team of people on this. I really did. It, and... Um, and it was a high bar also. Tommy really, you know, Tommy Mottola was very involved in terms of, you know, the, being the, sort of the barometer for is that authentic? And, and, and Chaz, of course, in, in terms of the language, hugely. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just, it was great. I was going to say, because this is the old neighborhood for Tommy too, right? That mm-hmm. he kind of yeah. grew up with? Well, it's actually so. sort of more, yeah, he's there, but then he grew also in New Rochelle. Mm-hmm. I grew up in New Rochelle. Tommy, but... Tommy actually lived in New Rochelle, mm. but the other side, the, you know, the, the Italian side of the tracks. So. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was his involvement like? I mean, he's. It's interesting to know this is his first time being a Broadway producer. Uh, he, he was my first point of contact with the project. Mm-hmm. He tapped me on the shoulder at the Tonys in 2014 and told me about the project and said that they were mm-hmm. looking at me for the role of Sonny and that we they'd be in touch and. I like to say that the, the, immediately after that happened, the lights went down and I lost the Tony, it being the first category, but I gained the job. So like, I lost the Tony and gained my next job in the first 10 minutes. That's fantastic. No. That's right. I had actually auditioned for something else that Tommy um, 
has been working on and he called my people and and asked if I would be interested in talking about Jane for a Bronx Tale. So he sort of found me. I'm very grateful to him, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Tommy just gave me, as, as did Alan and, and these extraordinary team, just gave me the, the opportunity of a lifetime to, to lead a Broadway show at 24. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it's nothing but support. And he's everyone's incredibly insightful from... Uh, very different perspectives. I don't think that's something many Broadway shows have, mm-hmm. um, but that's all unified around this story and the legacy of the story, which is now almost 30 years. And that's a real testament to how much we love the material and how universal the material is and how malleable it can be to any sort of um, form of storytelling. And mm-hmm. musical theater is a very viable story, uh, form of storytelling to tell this story. Yes. Yay, musical theater. Yeah. Um, right. I, <laughs> well, I, I have to say that I, I'm always interested in like what audience reactions are like live. And I very much believe that the theater does not have to be a quiet, polite place during a show <laughs> if people are having emotional reactions. And people have emotional reactions to the show. They're, yeah. I mean, you hear people reacting to what's going on on stage and laughing and sometimes talking back to the characters in a way that you don't often see. We got some guests. Yes. Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll play the role of Chaz Palminteri right now and say what he likes to say in every interview, which is that Alfred Hitchcock yep. likes to say that the best thing you can do to an audience is either scare them, make them laugh, or make them cry. And in Bronx Tale, you get all three. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great way to sort of tap into people's tear ducts is when you have them laughing about something that's true and then taking a slight spin on it and then all of a sudden they're crying and they don't know why. It's a uh, very three-pronged yeah. effort. And you very and I very much got the sense too that there are a lot of people coming to see this show for whom this was their lives, you right. know, and they see a lot of themselves yeah. in the story. Wednesday matinees uh, seem to be almost every week the the swarm of people from that neighborhood that are so yeah. willing and given uh, and giving to just delve in with us because they say this is my story. I know the four shops that are on that set, and that's an emotional still experience for people to come yeah. and see themselves represented on a Broadway stage that doesn't happen every day, and they they don't take it lightly. It's, that's right, and it's a responsibility. And are then to not screw that up Absolutely. because these are this, this is their story. Yeah. Wow. I hope, and they, I hope it's a big neighborhood. Bronx is fifty-seven square miles, and we're talking about. Yeah. Trouble. I'm talking <laughs> about. I think of the Bronx as a neighborhood, but it's a very big it's, neighborhood. It's, you know, it it's, is. But it is, yeah. yeah, it's my it's my own parents' neighborhood. They're both from the Bronx, so Indeed, yeah. I relate as well. Uh, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming, you guys. Thanks, pleasure. Thank you. Good luck with the show. Thank you. Thanks. Now that you're here, well, it's clearer than day that those words, they're not true. No, no. Not for me. Not for you. Cause in a world like this, where so much can keep us apart. Thanks again for listening to Billboard on Broadway. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes and Acast. Please give us many stars uh, in ratings and uh, feel free to leave comments. And uh, please come back next week for a new podcast. Blah, 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 blah.